Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Do you realize that we live in a very spiritual nation? I didn't say Christian nation, I said spiritual nation. So I, I, I don't see that. I'm, I'm look, watching the news, I'm looking at all this, and seeing this happening here, and this happening here, and this court making this decision, and these laws happening, everything. What do you mean we're a spiritual nation? Well, actually, we are a spiritual nation. Most Americans are consider themselves spiritual, and that they are seeking true spirituality. That may be a shock to you. The interesting thing that they have found as they have looked at all of this research into this is is that you say, well, if they're looking for true spirituality, why aren't they coming here? Well, it's interesting. As they've asked those folks the reality of that, as they're looking for true spirituality, the first place they say that they don't want to go to is the church because they don't see reality there. They don't see true spirituality there. And, you know, you look at that and you can say, well, that's just them. No, I think we have to be honest with ourselves and say, no, that's just us. The reality of who God is has not impacted our lives in such a way that when people look at us, they see the reality of Jesus. They actually go and look somewhere else. Isn't that sad? We're going to talk today about being a witness. We're going to talk today, we're going to further expand that one verse in chapter 1. We've been looking at it for the last couple weeks now. Looking at verse 8 of chapter 1 in which Jesus said, And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. We're going to talk today, really that next step. We focused last week on the issue of empowerment, because you've got to have empowerment first. And we're going to talk about being witnesses today. What does that mean? Because all of us here, if you've been around church for a while, have heard about what it means to be a witness. But I'm really going to take it a little bit step further. I'm going to take it back to what Jesus means to be a witness, because it's going to be interesting to see what, what, the, what we see here. In fact, I'm actually, it's going to be very, very interesting, because you know the word witness in the New Testament, the word witness is also translated testimony and record. It's a word that later would be, have a meaning that you and I would identify from. The Greek word actually is the same word from which we get the word martyr. Everybody know what a martyr is? You hear about it today about martyrs for Islam. It actually was, the original meaning was the word witness, but because of Christians and their desire to communicate Jesus to others, even to the point of death, they were referred to as martyrs, witnesses. That's what he's calling us to be, is to be a witness to others, no matter what it takes concerning the reality of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to look at this passage, and we're going to look at several other passages, and talk about the reality is that there is a world around us that is in need of Jesus Christ, and we don't really realize it. Do you, know, do you realize that there are 15,000 people that live in our area here? Did you ever think of that? I think there's 2,600 in Kerwinsville, 7,800 that live in, um, live in Clearfield, and then in the surrounding townships, Penn Township, Pike Township, and so forth, if you added those all together, you'd come up to about 15,000 people. And do you realize that most of them are going to hell? But you know what? We go throughout our daily lives, and we don't really care. 
A lot of them are seeking true spirituality, but they don't have that manifested before their lives. They don't really see where it's at. You know, the question is, do they see it in your life? Do they see it in my life? That's a good question, isn't it? So let's look at what the Bible says. First of all, look at with me at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Again, let me read it to you. But you, Jesus is promising, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Several things I want you to see here as we go on. First of all, what does it mean to be a witness? What does it mean to be a witness? The first thing I want you to see is you first must be empowered. See, I think this is the problem with a lot of our evangelism. We try to evangelize out of our own lives, and the reality is is we're not where we should be. We've quenched the Spirit. We're not empowered. In fact, that's why people reject what we're saying, because they look at our lives and they see the inconsistencies in our lives, and they see the fact that we are defeated by sins. We laugh at the same jokes that they laugh. We may even share those kind of jokes. They see how we are at work with our boss. They see there's no difference in our lives. They hear the things that we listen to or the things that we share with each other. They see how we act. They see how we treat people. And they realize that, you know, these people, there's no difference between them. The only difference between them is that they go to church. They live just like I do. And, you know, when you live just like that, when you live like the world, you are quenching what? The Spirit. You're grieving the Spirit. There's no empowerment there. And notice what Jesus says, you will be empowered and then you'll be my witnesses. The first thing you've got to grasp is, is that we must first be empowered. You first must, okay, we talked about that last week. We talked about the whole issue of empowerment being what? The whole issue of empowerment is allowing the Holy Spirit to have control in your life. Being surrendered to him. Saying, God, I'm no longer in charge of my life, you are. And as he does that, he empowers you. And the foremost place that he empowers you to be is to be a witness, to give testimony, to give record. So you have to first be empowered. Now, here's what we're empowered to do. We're to bear witness to a person. We're to bear witness to a person. Look at what he says. Verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. What's he saying here? Our witness is not a creed. Our witness is not a set of doctrines. Our witness is not a prayer. Just pray this prayer and you'll be saved. That's not our witness. That doesn't save anybody. What saves people is Jesus Christ. I'm to be a witness to Jesus. See, the reason why I think a lot of our witness doesn't mean anything to anybody because Jesus isn't real to us. Well, we've so quenched our lives with the sin in our lives that the reality of Jesus isn't there anymore. See, he empowers me to be a witness to the resurrected Lord. In fact, it's interesting. As I looked at this word witness throughout the book of Acts, it always comes to the same thing over and over and over again. It is a witness of the resurrected Jesus. In fact, just a little bit further in the same chapter, when they're talking about replacing Judas... They're talking about somebody who's going to take Judas' place and fill the apostleship, be the twelfth apostle, and they're looking for somebody who was with Jesus from the very beginning, and when they pointed out to one of the two and they cast lots for him, it's interesting, Peter says this, notice what he says, 
Verse 22, beginning from with the baptism of Jesus to that day, when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. It's a witness of his resurrection. You say, well, George, wait a minute. Now, you know, I wasn't there. I didn't see Jesus raised from the dead. How can I be a witness of his resurrection? Not his literal resurrection for you and I, but the spiritual resurrection that has taken place in your life. Didn't Paul say in Romans that we died with him, raised with him? See, Jesus is alive to you. And when you give witness, you're not giving witness to some doctrine. You're not giving witness to some set of beliefs. You're not giving witness to a creed or a prayer. You're giving witness to the reality of Jesus Christ in your life. Period. This is, and, 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 and interestingly enough, that's what people want. I mean, research is showing that people are interested in spirituality, but they want something that's real. They're not interested in creeds or doctrines. Well, what's wrong with that? They want to know, is it real? We just give them creeds. We just give them doctrines. When in reality, what we need to share is what? The reality of Jesus in our lives on a day-to-day basis. The reality of Jesus in our day-to-day lives. That's what they want to see. Now, when I say that, I just have to qualify that. The problem is, let's be honest with ourselves, he ain't that real. He's not that real to us. Because we could go a whole week without ever thinking about Jesus, except when we need him. And if we were to go around the room and we were to say, when's the last time you saw a prayer answered? When's the last time you saw Christ reach down in the midst of your life and do something in a marvelous, spectacular way? A lot of us would have to say, I I don't know that I saw him do that to me this week. See, the reason we're not witnessing, the testimony of Jesus is not going out there, is because we're not giving witness to the real person. The person isn't real to us. And he needs to be real to us. That's what's going to change lives. Jesus is the one who changes lives. Not a prayer, not a creed, not a set of beliefs, but the very real resurrected person of Jesus Christ in our lives. But then he tells us one other thing here, and this is the hardest one for us to grasp, and I think this is the reason why we're so ineffective in our witness, is that we must move beyond our comfort zones. Look at what he tells them. He says this to them. You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Now, the first two, they would have a problem with that. They're Jewish. They would say, oh, yeah, I can be a witness for you here in Jerusalem, Jesus. They know, you know about you a little bit here. They saw you. They know their works. We can be a witness here. We can be a witness in Judea. But that Samaria thing, hold on a minute now. We can't have any contact with Samaritans. They're not like us. They're going to hell, Jesus, and they deserve to go to hell. The uttermost parts of the world, Jesus, that's those Gentiles. In fact, if you read through the book of Acts, that one verse is the key verse to the entire book of Acts. When you read the book of Acts, you'll see that what happens is is that they first have their witness in Jerusalem, they then have their witness in Judea, and then God forces them out He has to force them because their natural tendency is not to move beyond their comfort zone. He has to force them out to reach into Samaria. And then he has to force them out to reach out to the uttermost parts of the world. In fact, when Peter, if you go to Acts chapter 10, when Peter is in the house of Cornelius, and Cornelius' house, the Gentiles come to Christ, he goes back to Jerusalem and gives report. They're upset with him. What are you doing going there? See, we have to reach beyond our comfort zones. See, it's easy for us to want to focus on people just like us, who think the way we think, 
who dress the way we think, who eat in the same places that we eat, or listen to the same stuff that we listen to, vote the same way we do. It's the same. It's easy for us to want to think in terms of that, but you know what? That's just a small segment, your segment of our entire community. There's so many much, so many more people who are out there who don't think like you do, who don't act like you do, who don't dress like you do, who don't respond the way you respond, who don't vote like you do. I mean, there's so many different people out there who need Jesus, who are going to hell, and we've got to reach beyond our comfort zones. And I don't reach beyond my comfort zone very much. But God calls every one of us to. See, we're to be his witnesses. We're to tell people about the resurrected Jesus from our lives. So that really means we've got to stretch out. Stretch out to other people. Because they need Jesus. They need Jesus. So he calls us to move beyond our comfort zones. He calls us to do that. He wants us to be witnesses. What kind of a witness are you? What kind of a witness are you? So let's talk about that. Jesus, actually in Matthew chapter 5, in about four verses, verses 13 through 16, talks about the nature of our witness. And, and you probably have heard this before. It's the reality of the issue of being salt and light. And we're going to discuss that a little bit here. Here's what Jesus says in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor... How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You know, a lot of people have talked about the issue of salt, and a lot of, especially in our culture and what's going on in our culture, the whole, a lot of people have emphasized that we need to be preserving the culture. Preserving our culture. That's the role of the church is to preserve, because that's what salt was used for, is to preserve. And so that's what I entered into the text with, and what I found was, is as I did my research and my study, is actually there are six different things that salt was used for. And all of the commentators mention all six of them, and they all say the same thing. Jesus didn't emphasize any one of them. What he's emphasizing is, is he's saying, you are the salt of the earth. You are, and this is the point I want you to see, you are important to the world. You are important to the world. See, salt, for us today, it's not that important, although it is. It's a source of iodine for us. And you have to, I mean, it adds flavor to our food and everything. But you now have refrigerators. You don't have to worry about rubbing salt into your meat to preserve it, to slow down the process of decay. You don't, if you're working, you don't have to worry about somebody paying you in salt. One of the things I read was is that the Roman soldiers in that day were paid in salt. Thus came this statement, if any of you use this, he's worth his weight in salt. It was a very important commodity. If you had salt, you were rich. And so what Jesus is emphasizing here, and you could take it and say, well, we're important to the world because we're preservative and all that. That's fine. You could take it to that. But that's not the point he's making here. He's talking about worth because that's what he says in verse 13. If you're worthless, you're, you just have to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. The point he's making here is that you and I have to grasp the reality that you and I are important to the world. Why are we important? Because we're witnesses to the resurrected Jesus. See, the enemy will come to you and say you're not important. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Huh? Why even bother? See, he says those kind of things to you. But the reality is, is Jesus is saying, you're the salt of the earth. You are precious. You are important. Everybody wants you. That's the reality. Everybody wanted salt. Everybody wanted salt. Today, the doctors tell you, don't eat it. Back then, they did. Because everybody wanted it. 
Now here's the other implication. He talks about being the light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. Heaven. Now here's the other aspect. So I'm important in the world because I'm salt, but here's what I'm saying. He's saying to you, you help people find their way to Christ. You're a light. Some of you like lighthouses. You know, you like, you like lighthouses. So you have lighthouse pictures or whatever in your home. And you like lighthouses because the, the concept of a lighthouse is, is it's a beacon to guide the ship through the night. Some of you have lights on that, you know, we used to have some lights until they broke. We had to pull them up. We've got to get some more now. They would line our driveway and our sidewalk so you could see where you were walking at night. It's a guide. The reality is you are a guide to people concerning Jesus. Can I be honest with you? You may want to write this down. The only way that people who are around you are going to find Jesus is through you. But here's what we've done. Well, isn't that why we hired George? It's a pastor's job, isn't it? No. Ephesians says that my job is to train you to do the work of the ministry. Isn't that why Billy Graham's there? Billy's health doesn't allow him to do it anymore. In fact, statistics show that 86% of people who come to know Jesus Christ come to know Jesus Christ through the efforts of a friend, a relative, an associate, or a neighbor. Do you know how many people come to know Christ through the efforts of a pastor? Six. And that includes Billy Graham in there, too. You and I are called to be a light to people, to guide them to Jesus Christ. So that really raises a good question, because in both of these passages, in the passage concerning the issue of being salt and the issue of being a light, look at what Jesus, what Jesus says here. First of all, with the issue of salt, he says, But if a salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It will be good for nothing, but is to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Look further down. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. It gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men that they may see. Notice what it says. Your good works, how you live your life is what he's talking about here, and glorify your Father in heaven. Here's the point. Your life is the key to your witness. Your life is the key to your witness. How you live your life is the key to your witness. So, for instance, if you're at Walmart and... You're getting irritated with the clerk. She's got the flashing light going. She wants somebody to come. Nobody's coming. You just happen to take the last thing that was there, and there's no tag on it, so they're trying to figure out the price of it. And you're just like, you've got a time schedule. You've got it somewhere, and you're starting to get irritated, and you just let loose. We say, well, that clerk didn't know who I was. No, but your neighbor was two behind you or three over, and they see you get in your vehicle and go to church every Sunday. Or they know about you because the town is small. See, the key to your witness to Jesus, the key to your witness to the resurrected Jesus Christ is your life. Is he really making an impact in your life, or is it just a set of beliefs? See, if it's a set of beliefs, it's going to impact your life and how you live it. It's going to be reflected in the way that you treat others around you. It's going to be reflected in the way that you are to your own family. It's going to be reflected in how you live your life. Why can't we wake up to that reality? And I hear people say all the time, well, the hardest people to witness to are your own family. I wonder why. Because they know you. They see right through it. And believe me, if they saw genuineness, they would know it.
See, the reality is, you are important to the world. You are a way for people to find Jesus Christ. You're a light for them to find Jesus Christ. And the key to all of that is how you live your life. You notice he didn't say the key to how much you speak. In fact, I hear people all the time that say, Boy, I really would like to share my faith more, but I really don't know what to say. You know what that usually tells me? You've got it all wrong. It's not what you say. It's how you live. And then he goes on, and First John he gives us another perspective. He tells us what our witness is. Again, 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. And listen to what he says. He uses the same word over and over again. And this is our testimony, same word that's used for witness, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Here's what I want you to see. Our witness, again, what are we witnessing to? The person of Jesus Christ. That's what our witness is to, the person of Jesus. Look exactly what he says, that God has given us life and the life is in his Son. You are witnessing to the fact that you came to Jesus and he's given you a whole new life. And this is what Jesus is doing in your life. He's real. That's reality. Let me ask you something. Is that reality to you? Is Jesus reality to you? You know, don't you remember when you... You had that honey in your life, that sweetie in your life. You couldn't just, I mean, you were flapping your lips. People around you were saying, please be quiet. I'm sick of hearing about it. Isn't that true? You're laughing. You know what I'm talking about because you just met somebody special. But, you know, you could talk about them all day long. Now you can't hardly ever talk about them. You know, it's like, you know, you've gotten used to them. You need to get it back, don't you? But see, this is the thing. How real is Jesus to you? That's what I'm talking about. When I, Lori was real to me, so I talked about her. How real is Jesus to you? I want you to think back. Think back. When's, when's the last time he came up in a conversation, and you didn't just talk about him in a sense of a doctrine. You talked about him in a sense of a real person interacting in your life. When was that? You know, if we're honest with ourselves, let's be honest. If we're honest with ourselves, what? We have it. We have it. We're talking about everything else but it. Think about it for a moment. Are you, are you that passionate? No, probably not. See, see the difference? You and I are to be a witness to the person and the life that he's given us. That's what he's saying here. You and our witness is the person of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the other thing. Our witness is the new life Jesus gives us. Our witness is the new life. Listen. It's interesting, you know, and I, there's some interesting things happening in our church in the lives of people. Next week we're going to be baptizing three more. That's 11 since January. And you'll hear some interesting testimonies. And the testimonies are going to be about what Jesus did in their life. That's reality. See, when the grip of Jesus' reality hits your life, you want to share it. Let me just stop for a moment. That makes an interesting, interesting point here, isn't it? Could it be that your lack of interest in being a witness is a reflection of the true reality of Jesus in your life? See, if he really is a part of your life, and he really is working in your life, you're going to want to share it with others. It's just going to come out of you naturally. It's just going to come out of you naturally. Think about that one. Well, let's wrap this up. What are, what are some things we can think about here as we try to wrap this up about being a witness? We're going to move on next week to the next part of Acts. 
Here's the question. Does your life reflect the reality of Jesus? You've got to ask that question. Don't pass that one over. Don't brush it aside. But the fact of the matter is, you know how you live your life. You know where you go to. If you go to, if you go to Goodman's during the week and you, you, know, you get your groceries there, or you go to Walmart, or you, you stop at Sheets, or this new, soon-to-be Unimart that's opening up here again, and you know, and, and you meet people, you go to the hardware or, or wherever, or you know, you meet people in the library or whatever you do or wherever you are, the people you interact with at work or whatever. Does your life reflect the reality of Jesus? Period. When people look at you, do they see Jesus Christ in your life? And I'm not saying you're wearing a T-shirt that says, Jesus is Lord. That's not what I'm talking about. Does your life reflect that the reality is is that the living God interacted with you that day and it is evident in the way that you are with people. Man, what's something's different about you. What's going on? What's going on? Does your life reflect the reality of Jesus? You've got to ask that question. Here's the other thing. Seek his empowerment to be his witness. Now, remember what I said earlier. You can't be his witness unless the Holy Spirit is in control of you. So that means you've got to come to a place where you surrender your life to him and he empowers you to be the witness that he wants you to be. So are you seeking the empowerment? Now, you know, here's the thing. I'm not saying are you seeking the Spirit coming in your life. When you, you accept Jesus Christ, the Spirit comes into your life. But the empowerment... And the filling of the Spirit is a completely different thing. Because I remember I told you now, you, because of the sin in your life, can quench the Spirit in your life and grieve the Spirit because you're in control, not the Holy Spirit. And if you're going to be a witness, and if you're going to reach out beyond your comfort zone, you're going to have to be empowered by Him to do that. Because, listen, reaching just take, for example, the issue of reaching out beyond your comfort zone. You're not going to do it. It's not natural. You're going to hang out with the people that you like to hang out with, and you'll witness to them, but to reach out beyond that, that's going to take something more than you to do that. Guess what? You need empowerment. You need empowerment to reach out beyond you. So seek his empowerment to be his witness. And finally, tell others what you have seen about Jesus. Tell others. It's that it'll come naturally. You don't have to carry your Bible to work. Get the big family Bible. We used to have one back here, we don't anymore. Big family Bible, carry it to work. You know, look at me, I'm a Christian. No, you don't need to do that. But when things come up and somebody's dealing with something and, and, and you can say to them, You know what? I'll pray for you. And they know that you're real because they've watched you. And they'll say, Okay, pray for me. See, people are looking for reality. Thank you for being with us this morning. We trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. Before we leave you today, George would like to share some special news about an upcoming event. Folks, we're excited about a five-week series at the church called The God Questions. We're looking at the tough questions that many are struggling with today. Questions such as, is God real? And the really big question, why does God allow suffering? In fact, we'll be addressing the question, is the Bible true in the 1045 worship service today? We will also have a question and answer forum at 6 p.m. today to discuss this question in detail. Next week, we'll look at the question, do all faiths or religions lead to heaven. 
It is our hope that you will be able to attend these discussions. For more information about the series or any other information, visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org or you can call us at 236-1622. On behalf of the church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.